sweet. Hey guys, why don't you have a seat? And as you're having a seat, if you have a Bible, you're welcome to take that out. We are going to be oops, continuing our journey with Jesus in Galilee. Tonight we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Uh, so again, if, you're, if the Bible's new to you, then uh, Mark is about two-thirds to three-quarters of the way through the Bible. You can open up the beginning and find the table of contents. You'll find Mark right in there. And then the Bible has these chapters, uh, usually in large numbers uh, within the chapters. So if you're new to the Bible, go to the table of contents, find the book of Mark, open it up, and then find chapter four. And you'll be able to follow along if you'd like to do that tonight. Uh, this particular moment that we're going to be in Jesus' ministry, we are still right up here in the Galilee region, probably in Capernaum which uh, Jesus spent a lot of his ministry in and around that region by the lake in Capernaum, so likely there, but that's the region we're still in as we follow Jesus in his ministry in Galilee. The unique thing about tonight is that this is the first time in the gospel that we actually get to sit and listen to the content of what Jesus has been teaching. We've been told lots of times that Jesus taught and it had authority and it was powerful, but we haven't actually heard what most of what he was saying was. For the most part, the first few chapters of Mark, what we get is the story of what Jesus was doing. We get a lot of the, what Jesus was doing, but not so much about what he was saying, just that he went to this place and Jesus was teaching about this, and when he was teaching about this, this happened and that happened, and then Jesus said, and then we'll go to the next story, and Jesus went to this place, and when he went there, this happened and this happened, and when that happened, he said, right, that's the kind of flow of Mark in the first few chapters, and then we get to chapter four, and we just kind of hit pause, and we hit, and we sit down at the feet of teacher Jesus so that he can tell us what it is he thinks we need to hear. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to be hearing that tonight from Jesus, and particularly we're going to be hearing uh, parables. Everything that Jesus says in Mark chapter 4 are in parables. Parables are like these little stories that give you a picture, paint a, a very brief, usually, picture of what Jesus wants you to see. So all of the stories that we are going to read tonight, or hear tonight, are in parables. Uh, Jesus would frequently tell these stories, but frequently what happens uh, in, in church life and in, like when you're studying the Bible is we take these parables and we kind of separate them out, right? Like, okay, we're going to look at this particular parable and we're going to study that parable, and we're going to look at this next parable and we're going to study that parable. And that's good. It, it's not bad to do that, but it's kind of like taking a song and saying, all right, I'm going to listen to just this verse of the song and study it and try to understand what that verse is about. You can learn about that verse, but it's a lot different than if you listen to the whole song and understand how each one of those verses fits into the flow of the song. When Jesus tells parables in sequence, like this parable and then this parable and this parable, there's something that we hear from that when we hear them together that we don't hear when we just hear them as separated out. And so we're going to actually hear all of the, these parables that Jesus is going to tell in chapter 4, verses 1 through 34, because we want you to hear the whole song, so to speak, that Jesus is writing for us here in this teaching. And so, you're certainly welcome to open up your Bible in Mark chapter 4, follow along with us if you want. You're also welcome to simply hear the word, uh, because we're going to present it to you in spoken word fashion, uh, the way I imagine, at least, that maybe Jesus said it when he was first saying it to this crowd of people gathered on the shore of Galilee about 2,000 years ago. You game for that? This is what he says. Once again, Jesus was teaching by the lake. 
at the Sea of Galilee. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were on the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things in parables. In his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow seed. And as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds of the air came and ate it up. Some of the seed fell in rocky places. It sprang up quickly because it had no root. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed Campus ministry is not liable for anything that happens. <laughs> Fell among the thorns. And they grew up and they choked the plant so that it did not bear fruit. Other seed fell on good soil. And it produced a crop. 30 60, 100 times what was sown. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't, you guys totally missed out in the front row. If you have ears to hear, listen carefully. Now, when he was alone with the twelve and some of the others, they asked him about the parable. He told them, the revelation of the kingdom of God is given to you. But to those who are on the outside, everything comes in parables. So as the prophet Isaiah said, they are ever looking, but they never see. They're ever listening, but they never hear. For if they did, they would turn and be forgiven. Do you not understand the parable? If you don't understand this parable, you won't understand the rest. Listen, the farmer sows the word, which is the message of the kingdom. Some people are like seed that fell along the path. When they hear the message, immediately the evil one comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others are like seed that fell in rocky places. They, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. For when trouble and persecution come, they quickly fall away. Others are like seed that fell in the thorns and the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth 
and the desire for other things grow up and they choke the plant, making it unfruitful. But others, like seeds sown in good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times. Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? No, you put it on a stand. For whatever was concealed is meant to be revealed. Whatever is hidden is meant to come into the light. If you have ears to hear, listen carefully. Pay close attention to what you're hearing. For what you invest in this is exactly what you'll get out of it with interest. Whoever invests more will receive even more. Whoever invests a little, even what you've invested, you'll lose. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Like a man who scatters seed, and night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, even if he doesn't understand how. All by itself, the soil produces fruit. Stalk, then the head, and then the fruit, and when, it, when it's time, the harvest has come. To what can I compare the kingdom of God? What parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed. Smallest of all the seeds on earth. But when it grows, it becomes larger than all the plants in the garden. Even the birds of the air can find rest in it. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable, but when his own disciples were with him, he would explain everything. The word of our Lord. To what can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable can we use to describe it? If Jesus was at a loss for words to take hold to describe what the kingdom looks like, I fear we're in trouble, but we're going to try. Because the heart of Jesus' ministry is the kingdom. The heart of his life, his preaching, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his coming again, all of it centered on this one thing, the kingdom of God. Jesus' ministry begins with these words from Mark 1. You may recall, the time is fulfilled. Now is the day the kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Believe the good news. When Jesus talked about the kingdom, he was always using these clear, vivid pictures that to the people he was talking to would come alive for them. But frankly, it's a little harder for us, isn't it? Like A lot of the pictures in this story aren't nearly as vivid for us in our context. We, we don't see it the way they did. And so I just want to recognize, especially if you're brand new here tonight, that the idea of the kingdom of God is a kind of a foreign concept to us. It feels a little strange. It's like putting on someone else's clothes. It's an experience that even goes against our values, right? I mean, America is, our, our national 
history and ethos is born out of rebellion against the king. Get that guy out of here. We'll make our own decisions. Right? And so the idea of kingdom is a little bit strange for us experientially. And yet, the central focus of Jesus' life, his ministry, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, his promise of coming back, all central in orbits around the kingdom of God. So, hopefully it will help to have at least the start of a definition of what this term means when Jesus says it. And I, I, you know, I like simple things. I'm a simple guy. And so here's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God equals the place where God is king. I was really hoping that somebody would get really excited and think that was profound. Not so much. No, it's not, right? It's pretty simple. It's straightforward, right? The kingdom of God equals the place where God is king. When Jesus says in Mark 1, the time is now, the kingdom of God has come, he is making a political, religious statement. The king has returned to reclaim and renew his kingdom. And he will not stop until he has made all things new. Until the whole earth, as some of the prophets have said, is filled with the glory of the Lord just as the waters cover the sea. This is the heart of the gospel. The king and creator of the universe, for some reason, known only to himself, decided that in one, one of 100 billion galaxies in the universe, at least as far as we can tell, in one of 100 billion galaxies, Around one of 200 billion stars just in our own galaxy. (laughs) On one of the planets orbiting one of those 200 billion stars in the galaxy, God decided he would plant a garden that we call Earth. And he would fill that garden with such a variety of life that you could ever imagine. Eight to ten billion species and counting. And God loved that garden so much. Loved it so much that out of all the other species, he separated out for himself a species that we call humanity. For the specific purpose of being gardeners. Of, the, of this garden that he created. And God's instruction to this humanity that he created is so clear. Love this world like I love it. Care for it like I take care of it. Look around. Isn't it great? It's ours. The story goes south from there. Instead of loving it and loving our creator, who made it, humanity destroys it, runs roughshod over the creation and over each other's, and we broke God's heart. So much so that God at different moments thinks, maybe I'm just going to wipe the whole thing out. But instead, God because he loves this world so much. He sent his one and only son, the very same word that was with him from the before creation, invaded 
our space and time, not to destroy it, but to save it. Not to take us somewhere else out of this world, but to restore and rescue this world, this place, these people. That's what Jesus means when he says, the kingdom of God has come. It's not done yet, but the invasion has begun. And if that is true, if you will walk with me into that space and say, if that is true, that fundamentally changes reality. It means that this moment, right here, right now, is pregnant with the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is calling each of us to make a decision about the kingdom. Whether to embrace it or to reject the kingdom and its king. That's a lot of what these parables are about. Will you commit to the kingdom of God? And to the king of that kingdom, Jesus Christ. The parables don't end well, incidentally, for those who are sitting on the fence. Embracing the kingdom when it's convenient or when it's advantageous or when it's exciting. If you invest little, even the little you invest, you'll lose, Jesus says. But if you go all in, you will receive everything you invested plus interest. If you'll just receive this kingdom, the message of this kingdom, the seed of this kingdom, Jesus says you will not be able to contain the fruit that will grow up in your life 30, 60, 100 times you will see the fruit of this in your life. Can you imagine that? Like, I don't know a lot about agriculture. Every time I plant a garden, it's an utter and abject failure. But I have done some learning along the way, and one of, one of the crops I've tried to learn a bit about is corn because of the significance of corn in the American economy. Fascinating thing about corn, one seed of corn Two to four stalks, like four ears of corn off a stock would be incredible, right? That'd be a high yield. You pay top dollar for that kind of seed. It's probably genetically engineered. Four? 30 times, 60 times, 100 times, Jesus says. This is some serious miracle growth, right? And that's the point. It's exactly the point. It's miraculous. It's something only God could do. If you'll receive the seed of the gospel into your life, Jesus says, God will do immeasurably more than anything you could even imagine. So one of the questions that comes right out of that, right out of this sitting with the song that Jesus teaches us here is, have you let the seed, the message of the kingdom, sink down into the soil of your heart? All we do is receive the seed and let God do his thing. Let the love, the righteousness, the power, the grace of the kingdom take root in us so that the fruit that grows up in our lives is the fruit of the kingdom. That's how you can tell if the seed's taken root, right? Any kind of growing, this makes perfect sense, right? I know if whether or not I'm doing a very good job in my garden if anything actually comes up and sprouts fruit. If I'm not doing a very good job, you know, Nothing happens, right? right? It's, a, it's a really simple analogy, actually. There's no guesswork to it. We actually know what the fruit looks like, even. Look at the life of Jesus, how he loves, 
how he speaks grace, how he gave himself for others, for us. That's the fruit of the kingdom. The Apostle Paul gives us this wonderful, clear little list in the book of Galatians. He says, the fruit of the kingdom is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what the fruit of the kingdom looks like. If you want to know whether or not this, the, the seed is growing and, and sprouting in you, you can just look at your life and say, do I see these things? Does anybody else see these things in me? It's ironic, isn't it, that often this is the part of the kingdom that's hardest to see? It should be the clearest because the fruit of the kingdom can be seen most clearly in and through the lives of the people of the kingdom, the citizens, us. We're the fruit in the story, right? That's the punchline. And those of us who claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as our King, ought to be the best example of what it looks like to be people of the kingdom. Instead, though, that doesn't seem to be the narrative. In fact, it seems, though, one of the, although the, one of the primary things Christians should look like is this fruit of the kingdom in our lives. Instead, a, a survey by the Barna Group uh, just a handful of years ago found out that uh, there are three words that get most associated with Christians in our society. Homophobic, judgmental, and hypocritical. That doesn't sound at all like the fruit of the kingdom. Are they just wrong? You can argue about it if you want, but just a cursory look on social media will find prominent professing Christians spewing venom about how progressives are destroying our society, about how we need stronger policies to keep unwanted people out. Meanwhile, there seems to be a never-ending stream of new revelations about Christian leaders behaving badly and taking advantage of people under their care. From the looks of things, a lot of the fruit that's on the tree is bitter, even poisonous. What I want to ask, brothers and sisters, is how much different would the world be if those who claim to follow the kingdom of Jesus would look, sound, and act a lot more like our king? I mean, I'm convinced that God is starting a new reformation in his church, a reformation that leads back to the center of the kingdom and that is centered in the kingdom. And what we take as our primary, and that we would take as our primary responsibility as citizens of this kingdom to sow the seeds of the kingdom wherever we go. What if, what if wherever we see hatred. We sow seeds of love. What if as citizens of the kingdom, wherever we see hopelessness, we sow seeds of joy? What if wherever we see conflict, we sow seeds of peace? What if wherever we see discontent rising, we go and we sow seeds of patience? 
What if wherever we see tribalism in all of its forms spreading, we go and sow seeds of kindness? Wherever we see poverty, that we would sow generosity. Wherever we see selfishness, we would instead sow faithfulness. That wherever we see bullying and abuse in all of its forms, we sow gentleness. And wherever we see indulgence and greed, we sow seeds of self-control and self-sacrifice. I say to you, friends, how much different would the world be if we sow the seeds of the kingdom and we start to take seriously what it looks like to look, act, and be more like our king? Somebody say amen. amen. Here's the good news about it. It's exactly what God wants for you exactly what God wants to do in our lives. God wants this so much for us, he's absolutely reckless with this seed. Did you see that in the story? He's just throwing the seed out willy-nilly all over the place. Lands on the path, that's fine. Lands in the thorns, that's fine. Lands in the rocks, that's fine. Hey, we got lands in the fruitful soil, and it grows up, and it grows up. God, it seems, is a farmer that just keeps throwing the seed out wherever it will go. It's as if God just has this endless supply of love, righteousness, and grace to pour out and to throw out into the world. Oh! That's the point! That's the point. He does. Friends, the king of creation has an endless supply of love, righteousness, power, grace that he wants to give you through his son and by his spirit so that this fruit will grow and it will spread and it will be food for the world. Spreading out all over Grand Valley, spreading out all over our community, spreading out all over our region, spreading out all over the country, spreading out all over the world. It's kind of like a mustard seed. Just a tiny little seed. You wouldn't even think much about it. Gets planted in the ground. And wouldn't you know it, it becomes the biggest of the trees in the garden that all kinds of things can find shade and rest under its branches. The kingdom of God has come near us, friends. Do you see it? Can you hear it? Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, we give thanks to you, our King of kings, that you have invaded our space and our time with the glorious uh, power, grace, and mercy of your kingdom. Thank you that you loved this world, loved us so much that you would not abandon us, but that you've come to save. So Jesus, we confess. Some of us, as we heard these stories, we found identity with the seed in the rocky places and the seed in the thorns and, and other parts that your Holy Spirit prompted in us. And we found that, found ourselves saying, that's me. We repent, Jesus, just as you told us to, and we turn to you that we might be forgiven. What we want, Jesus, so much is to see your kingdom come, 
your will be done, to see the fruit of your kingdom spreading out and sprouting and growing fruit in our own lives and spreading out across our campus and across our community, across our nation and across our world. So Jesus, we pray that you would plant that seed deep in us, bear the fruit of your kingdom in us until your kingdom comes in all of its glory and the glory of your kingdom covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Even so, come Lord Jesus, your people are waiting for you. Amen.